I'm Danny, that witch next door. And you're listening to That Witch Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another week, another episode of Magic here at That Witch Podcast. If you've already been here, you know me. Danny, that witch next door. And if you haven't met me before, I am your host, your mentor, your guide and instructor in all things magic, witchcraft and astrology and witchy business. So I am, as always, so excited for today's episode because I was really struck with inspiration. I'm at a really cool shift in my business right now because, and and likewise, a shift with the podcast in that I never could have predicted how well this, how well so fast this show was going to do. That means my lovely listeners, all of my amazing neighbors, I hope that you didn't like clutch your pearls when I said there were shifts happening in the podcast. Don't worry, all good things, all good things. Uh, The shift that's happening is I am putting my first and foremost, you know, as far as content, uh, time management, energy goes, I'm putting my energy and attention and dedication primarily to you, to the show, to the podcast, not Instagram, uh, not my email at the time, not my, you know, my blog right now, not, no, none of my, my main, main platform that I am going to be gearing like the vast majority of my energy to is going to be the podcast. So this is why you can plan on always getting your content every week, whether it's, you know, really introspective, insightful episodes with me or with another guest, or if they're really, really goofy and silly and fun, or whether they're really educational based, whether they're nice, long, chunky episodes, or whether I give you a quick half hour mini training on something in astrology or witchcraft. I want you to know that you can count on that witch. (laughs) I love saying that. I'm serious though. Um, I love doing this for you. I love coming on to the mic and connecting with all of you. This is one of my most favorite parts about my job. Getting to connect with all of you through the show and then getting to connect with my clients is why I do what I do. So I'm just really excited to, to let you know that we're going to be really full, full throttle on the podcast here. So I will always be on Instagram. It's a really great place to get uh, announcements and updates. It's a great place to get a hold of me. If you ever uh, need to shoot me a quick message, you can also always go email, of course. Um, but it is a good contact platform for me. But I am going to gear most of my time toward putting out really solid quality episodes for everybody. And then from there, I'm going to focus on putting really solid quality content for all of you in that witch school. 
So don't forget about that. If you're not already on the wait list, get over uh, to my website right now, thatwitchnextdoor.com slash thatwitchschool. This is going to be really fun next handful of episodes because the reason I'm so excited about this big shift is now that I know where I really want to show up the most and where I want to really devote most of my energy to, once you really decide on that as a business owner, your inspiration and creativity for content and what you actually want to put out and what you actually want to say clarifies and opens up so much. I cannot stress enough how important it is to find your platform. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. There's a reason why I'm not saying, hey, podcast, I'm going to give up on everything else. Absolutely not. Diversifying your platforms is massively important and very, very, very beneficial. But when you do find that thing, when you do find that platform that you just vibe with, roll with that, embrace that, show up, be yourself and have fun with that. And that's exactly what I plan on doing here. So with that being said, I have some very fun episodes coming your way. We have had a lot of really, really amazing guests on the show the last few episodes. It has been really fun opening up the doors to my communities, to one another. So, you know, a lot of the people I've had on the show have been colleagues or people that I've worked with, and it's been really amazing introducing them to all of you. But in turn, it's been just as fun introducing all of you to them. I love hearing that some of you are working with Ashley and you're reaching out to Kaylee and you're reaching out to Kate and you're definitely going to see more of Christy around here, my friend, that we did the, the spooky episode with. I have a really really great episode coming up with Christy in the new year. But what I want to focus on for now, because I missed you, <laughs> is, is really helping you understand what it is exactly that I do. Because the services and the offers that I provide are practices that I do for myself that have absolutely transformed my perception and therefore my entire experience, my entire life. I feel so in tune and connected with the universe, with the collective, with my own loved ones, with myself, more than I ever have, I, more than even when I was a child. In some ways, I feel more authentic and true to myself than I w was as a child. And that has shown me how much healing that has occurred because of my practice in witchcraft, because I study astrology, and because I took my career into my hands, and because I take the energy that's around me very, very serious. And I am so mindful about who I interact with and who I spend time with. It is my number one goal to give that back to as many passionate, eager people like you as possible. And so that's why we are having a little mini series called Applicable Astrology. 
This is a term that you, if you've been around in the neighborhood, you may have heard me say this. You might have seen this on my website. Applicable astrology is one of my personal brand messages, okay? I have what we call content pillars, okay? If you're a business owner and you do any kind of social media marketing and create content, which I would bet you do, you need content pillars, which are essentially anywhere between like four to seven specific topics that directly relate to your values and your mission that you show up and talk about. And you either educate on those subjects or you inspire people through those subjects or you entertain people on those subjects. Um, But those are your content pillars. One of my content pillars is applicable astrology. And this is so important to me because I really do believe, and I have personally witnessed so many people study the beautiful gift of astrology and totally get lost in it and never use it as a tool and honestly use it, not even use it. They they learn it and allow it to totally control their lives. It's it it it's suddenly is not a tool anymore at that point. And I mean, if you want my off-the-cuff blunt comparison of what I do think it is, it becomes like their Bible. It becomes this toxic deity almost that controls your everyday. And friends, that is not what astrology is. And that's not what astrology is for. But we all do create our own reality. So if that's the reality that you create for yourself, that is the experience that you're going to have with the cosmos. I, on the other hand, really am passionate about applicable astrology. I don't give, I mean, listen, I give some fucks about gossipy astrology. Let's be honest. (laughs) I do love a good juicy astrology. But really utilizing this incredible information to, well, honestly, enhance my experience here on earth, here in this life, to understand my experience better and therefore be able to live it to its fullest, that's that's where I'm at. That's what I'm all about. And that is what I'm going to do with all of you. So over the next few episodes, we are going to talk about how to actually use and apply astrology. Now, if you have never been here before, and this is the first episode you're listening to, and depending on your level of uh, comfortability with, is that a word too? Is comfortability a word or is it just comfort? (laughs) Oh, I hope you all can laugh with me about that. Okay. Um, Depending on your level of comfort with astrology. I do really encourage you to go back to the how to study astrology or how to start an astrology study practice. I can't remember what the name of the episode is. I'm going to look really quick. I believe it's episode number five, and I will make sure to link it for everybody. Let me make a note of that. I really recommend going back and listening to that, though. If you have never studied astrology formally, 
and it is something that you want to do and you are really serious about really learning it, really harnessing it and using it as a tool in your life, I do really recommend going back to that episode just because I think that the biggest thing that holds us back from really truly retaining information that we learn when we're studying astrology is totally disorganized study practices. It doesn't need to be that way. It can be so much more simplified. And it is episode eight, Fundamentals, How to Study Astrology. I'll link it. So there is episode number five, though, says how to get started studying witchcraft and astrology, which I would also really recommend you listen to. So lots of good content. But if you have already listened to those episodes, the reason I'm prefacing with all of that is because I am going to act as if you have already listened to those episodes. I'm not going to do a big review here today on how to study astrology or what good astrology books there are or good astrology tools like the almanac and the planner that I use. I've given those in lots of previous episodes and I'll link the ones that the, those recommendations should be in, in the show notes. And you can go back and listen to those at your own pace. So for today though, getting started in actually applying astrology to your life. Well, folks, before you apply astrology to your life, you have to understand astrology at least somewhat. I want you to know right now, and please, please give yourself permission because I give you permission. You do not have to be an expert in astrology or identify as an astrologer in order to effectively use astrology in your life, okay? Seriously, please don't let yourself be held back because other people know more than you about a subject that is just so easily studyable. You can just keep studying it and learning more. Who cares if people know more than you? There's 9 billion people in the world. There are literally millions and millions of people that know way fucking less about astrology than you do. So please, If you are one of my neighbors here that struggles with like perfectionism and imposter syndrome, and it really does allow you to hold yourself back from just learning and practicing something you love, please give yourself permission post this really shadowy Scorpio new moon from yesterday and release that. It does not serve you. I'll tell you what will serve you and serve you well is using applicable astrology. So in order to do that, we're going to have to start at the beginning. We're going to have to start with the wheel of the Zodiac. That's right. We're doing it. This is why I said it's going to be a mini series. So just so everybody knows, I'm going to record the story of the Zodiac and how once you have an basic understanding of of astrological energy, at least the basics, at least the basics, how we actually use this in our life, how you can really get started understanding transits, how you can really get started understanding aspects, okay? We're going to go from super, super basics and get a little intermediate with it 
so that you feel like after you listen to the next handful of episodes, when you get online on social media or you get on your app and you see the next transit or where the moon's moving, I want you to feel a little bit more like, hey, I kind of understand that a little bit more now. Hey, I kind of recognize what that looks like a little bit more now. Okay. That's, that's my goal for you. Now, in order to do that, I do need to paint somewhat of a picture of the Zodiac wheel for you. Now I say the story of the Zodiac and there is a very traditional story of the Zodiac. I will interlace some of that in to my explanation, but overall what this is going to be is Danny Wright, that witch next door's tour of the astrological wheel the 12 houses and everybody that lives there. Well, the main players that live there, we're not getting into everybody, okay? We're gonna stick with the main, main players. And this is gonna be a multi-part series. So it each episode will probably cut off around a half hour or so. And then you'll have to wait till, you know, for a couple more days till the next episode comes out. So, Without further ado, let's get started. House number one, classes in session, seriously. Uh, if you are a person that likes taking notes, grab a pen, grab a notebook, preferably the same one that you plan on using with subsequent episodes, okay? Uh, and again, don't worry, this isn't gonna be this super, super long episode like you already saw by the timestamp. We're really just dipping our toes in and then we'll go, we'll just. We'll just keep going into the layers as the episodes go on over these next few weeks. House number one. Okay. House number one, everybody, is, I would love it, by the way. I'd really love it. And you would really love it too. If you did have some kind of visual. So being able to look at a Zodiac wheel is going to be very, very helpful. I will leave a link for a Zodiac wheel in the description that you can go pull up on your phone or computer or whatever so that you can have visual reference. If you, I even have one and I have the wheel memorized, uh, but I am a very, very visual person. So if you are too, I highly recommend doing that now. You can plus press pause if you need to. So house number one, if you're looking at the wheel, traditionally is ruled by the sign of Aries. Aries and the first house is ruled by the planet Mars, okay? So, zips up, there we go. Pulling up my chart, sorry. So in the first house, we have Aries, we have Mars. This is a firehouse. Okay, so this is a house. And we, folks, one more little pin. I'm talking about the traditional zodiac wheel, okay? I'm not talking about your natal chart. Your houses in your natal chart might be ruled by completely different planets, completely different signs, and completely different elements. The purpose of this is to simply get you a really good solid base understanding of the energies of 
the signs, the planets, the houses, okay? And that's why we're mixing in the modalities and the elements here to help give you an idea of what these energies look like. But again, we're doing this in a general sense, not in a natal chart sense. We will get there later, one step at a time. So house number one, fire, Aries, ruled by Mars, and this is a cardinal sign, okay? Aries is cardinal. There are a total of three modalities or movements of the planets. Movements of the signs, if you will. And that will make sense the more and more we go on. And actually, I will also link the modalities 101 video. It's a Moonday Musings that I recorded a few weeks ago on Instagram. Really good information in there. If you're interested in modalities or just think they're interesting, that uh, video is linked in the description if you want to go read that. So just know for now that Aries is cardinal energy. The very first house in the Zodiac is the house completely concerned with capital S self. Okay. This is where our self-worth comes from. This is our self-image and how we want to be presented and look on a very day-to-day basis. Okay. A lot of how we see ourselves is in the first house. And if while I'm talking, you're going, this sounds a lot like your rising sign, ding, ding, ding. Your rising sign is the cusp of the first house, okay? I'm using a Placidus housing system. This is different for other housing systems. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Placidus. And in Placidus, the cusp of the first house or the line that begins the first house, if you will, that is your rising sign. So for me, at the minute that I was born on October 30th, in Colorado, the eastern horizon was aligned in the sign of Leo at 20 degrees. And so from there, when we calculate an astrological natal chart based on a Placidus housing system, we take that 20 degrees of Leo and therefore chart the remaining houses based on that rising sign, okay? That's why you know, my chart, since I'm a Leo rising, my house isn't ruled by Aries, right? That's just the traditional, that's the traditional Zodiac wheel. But to give you an idea of, of what, there's going to be a lot of similarities, I mean. So to give you an idea of what's in that first house, starting to give you a peek in, because I know most of you have learned your rising sign, this is a great starting point, okay? Because you've probably looked into and learned about your rising sign and don't think so much about specifically what sign it's in, think more about what are the characteristics of a rising sign in general. From there, you can start to understand the connection to the first house. And then from there, even more, you can kind of start to understand its connection to Aries. And then even further, you start to understand its connection to Mars. This is why planetary rulers are so important. There are many, many, many layers. And we're just going to go through the layers. If it feels overwhelming, it is. But I promise 
I promise you. Stick with it. Stick with the layers because the fact that they all connect, it will make it seem a little overwhelming at first. And at the end, it'll kind of just glue everything together for you. I promise. Now, in this first house, in this very fiery first house of the Zodiac Wheel, this takes place in springtime, okay? So Aries season starts in uh, like late-ish mid-March, okay? Usually around March 20th. And this is the spring equinox. It's that spark of life. It is that fresh, fresh, brand new start. Okay. So the astrological year begins at Aries season. And this will also help you start to understand the connections there. Oh, that actually makes a lot of sense that Aries traditionally rules the first house. Okay. Because in the cycle and seasons of life, that very first house or that very first stage of life, if you will, you are very concerned with self. This is where ego is born, okay? And this is really important because the first house is literally representative of our physical existence here, okay? There's so much of our physical body is in the first house and in the rising sign. It was, it represents your rising sign and a lot of your first house. It represents how you emerged and therefore how you are seen and want to be seen and see yourself in this world. It's very, very important. It provides quite the foundation for the remaining 11 houses, quite honestly. A healthy, all houses need to be healthy, but uh, we're going to talk about why each one needs to be healthy. The first house, if we start off with this really hard, tainted, negative self-image, we are definitely not starting off on a strong foundation, okay? So this is the house where a lot of our confidence and self-esteem is as well. So that is definitely an area to look to for issues like that. Now, because the first house is ruled by Mars and ruled by Aries, traditionally in the Zodiac wheel, there's a lot of strength. There's a lot of courage. There's a lot of innovation and action taking, okay, in the first house. This is why Mars is the planet of our action and how we move. Again, our physical existence in this life. That's why the first house matters so much. That's why your rising sign matters so much. Without it, well, you'd just kind of be this floating little, right? Like we really need sense of self. That's so, so, so important. That's why when we have a really ugly relationship with ourself, it shows everywhere else in our life. You got to start from a good foundation. And Mars houses our instincts, all kinds of them but very specifically our survival instincts, okay? Mars is really this planet of reactions. And that's what, let's be honest, that's what our instincts are. They're a series of intuitive reactions, typically based on survival, right? The, the purpose of an instinct is to keep us alive. 
And that's really what Mars does. And that's what Aries does. And that's why there's so much passion in Aries and why there's so much passion in Mars. And I'm kind of specifically talking about like angry passion. They care a lot. They really do care a lot. Aries gives a fuck. Um, Fire signs really do give a fuck. It's earth and air that are easier to just detach and not care. Fire gives a a lot of fucks. And so this is why Mars houses a lot of our anger. This is why our Aries placements house a lot of our anger and house a lot of our passions. So what you can do while we go through the Zodiac wheel or while you start learning all of this is, okay, I understand that this is traditionally the first house and hey, you might be an Aries rising. You might have a chart like my husband's and you can kind of use your own natal chart as a cheat sheet. It's really nice. Um, but what you can kind of do if you're not an Aries rising and your houses are different than the traditional Zodiac wheel is I want you to look at these as separate layers in your chart. I'm going to talk about them wholly like this. We're going to just start with, at each house and we're going to talk about everything that's there and all the energy that's there. And I want you to peel apart these layers as they come to you because I really truly believe what needs to resonate with you most will. So as I say these things, if you're like Mars, go look at your Mars. Who cares if it's not an Aries? Where is it? Which house is it in? Where does your passion lie? What does your movement look like? Are you naturally a slow mover, quick thinker on your feet? Are you very instinctive and reactive? Or do you find yourself to be kind of more clumsy and not know what to do with your actions sometimes, okay? That's what I want you to do as we go through these houses and I just give you my insights on all the different energy that's in there. I want you to use it as inspiration to get into your own chart and to get into the collective transits because they're all over Instagram. I know y'all follow other astrologers besides me that post way more often about what the actual astrological weather is. I know that most of you have a great app like Time Passages because we've talked about it multiple times here. And so this, I want you more to be like, oh, Mars and everything she's saying. Didn't I just see that Mars moved into Scorpio? Wow. Knowing what I know now about Mars and knowing what I already know about Scorpio, huh, makes a lot of sense why uh, things have felt, felt a little bit harsh. Makes a lot of sense why things have felt a little bit blunt the last handful of days. <laughs> Plus you had that Scorpio new moon on top of it. Listen, Scorpio season does not fuck around right now. It's, everyone's just out being blunt. And honestly, it's okay if you get your feelings hurt, validate them, and you make sure you keep speaking your truth too. It's just, God, it's just part of the revealing season that is Scorpio. On to um, kind of wrapping up the first house here. So know that this is self-related, that it is ruled by Aries, that the cusp of this house, the line that begins the first house is your rising sign, and that that's the where the Eastern horizon was and what sign it was aligned with at the time that you were born. That's why we as astrologers need your birth time and your birth place because we need to know where the horizon was. And I think 
the rise the horizon moves every like two and a half hours or something like that. Um, it's something like that. So that's why the time really, really matters. Uh, we know that this is a cardinal house traditionally because it is a very initiative house. It is concerned with brand new beginnings. And therefore, we find a lot of innovation in the first house. We find a lot of innovation in Aries and we find a lot of innovation in Mars. They all look a little bit different in their own way. A planet is not a sign and a sign is not a house, right? They're all, they're all different, but don't forget that they are still connected, okay? They are still very connected and there's a lot of similarities. Into the second house, we now go. From Aries, we now go into the earthy earth sign of Taurus. Taurus rules the second house and Taurus is ruled by Venus. So Venus rules the second house. This is an earth house, like I told you. And this is a fixed modality. Knowing all of these different layers, let me describe to you what the second house is. This is the house where if Aries and the first house is gaining self-awareness and coming into life, Taurus and the second house is where we lay down roots. This is our very first example of sustainable energy. There is a drive toward longevity, okay? Very early on in the stages of these seasons, okay? And so in that second house, because this is a house of, hey, I have the intention of laying down roots and staying here, essentially on earth. That's what we're saying. In the first house, we're like, okay, we're going to be born and we're going to be humans. Let's do it. You get born. Then in the second house, it's like, all right, basically I'm signing up for the deal and I'm going to stay a while. How do I survive the physical conditions here? And that's why it's a very earthy house. Okay. We need shelter in the second house. So this is our house and our possessions. This is our money and our finances. Anything that you need to do this game here on, here on earth, here on life, all of the, here on life, all of those like mundane, like tasks that you have to do, like laundry and taxes and well, taxes are a little more, we'll get there, but those, those mundane life day-to-day, that's what I should say, those day-to-day mundane life tasks that you have to do, that's going to be in the second house. So how you take care of your belongings and are is in that house, a lot of that stuff. Now, because this house is traditionally ruled by Venus, okay, because it's ruled by Taurus, I really, I've always interpreted that so beautifully in the story of the Zodiac because it just goes to show that right off of the bat for our existence, we were given the gift of love and beauty and that deeper meaning of life. And I just love that because of the second house is so practical and grounded and about like, it's still about survival. The first two houses are very much about basic, basic survival. Honestly, 
when you need to meet super basic needs of yourself, you can definitely look to your first and second house. Look at who rules your first and second house, what planet rules that, and get an idea of, oh, I definitely can better meet my own very basic human needs knowing this information now. So there's still this very raw, animalistic, survival energy in the second house traditionally. But because it's Venus ruled, it it just takes on this deeper meaning right off of the bat, which I think is beautiful. To me, it's a sign right off the bat that our, our life and our existence has meaning, that it's not all for shit, that we're not just born to die and never exist again or what it just, it's proof of that to me, to know that we very first like choose the life here and then we choose to stay there. That means that there's something worth staying for. And just so you know, this is why grounding is so, so, so important because we are meant to experience this life. Your earth energy, folks, your earth placements, they're important in your chart, okay? They are what get you to to stick around for the earth show and and play the game, all right? I'm not saying it's fun all the time, but you did choose it. Your higher self chose this. So knowing that there's this deeper meaning to life and and that we want to stay around, know that then traditionally the second house, Taurus placements, this has a lot of practicality, okay? This is why Taurus is so patient and practical because it had to be to survive. It desired the longevity. And in order to accomplish that, it really had to be very, very patient. And so this is why when you need to tap into your patience or on the flip side, maybe look at areas you get a little, maybe too patient on, maybe you get a little stuck. <laughs> uh, you can definitely look at some Taurus placements because I have a Taurus midheaven and I definitely have to work with that energy for both reasons. It helps me slow down when I need to slow down and I have to do shadow work and work with, you know, the unevolved side of that energy and go, Hey, I've been kind of self-sabotaging by not moving on this idea literally at all. Why am I in a freeze state about it? Okay. So that is a really, really good example of the difference between first house Aries energy and second house Taurus energy. Okay. So the difference in those modalities, Aries, Mars, this is very, very fast paced very impulsive and very instinctive. Taurus, Venus, this is a lot of patience, okay? This is a nice wide berth because it's a very understanding sign. The fire and air signs, traditionally we would say they're masculine and the earth and the water signs are feminine. I'm really trying to remove gender from my astrological descriptions. So instead, what I'll tell you is that uh, fire signs and air signs are very action-based, okay? And water and earth signs are very receptive or observation-based. We need both, okay? Don't forget the point of all of this is balance and harmony. I'll say it a trillion times. I don't care. Okay. 
Now, that's a really good example, okay? Look at your Aries placements, especially those of you born around Aries and Taurus uh, season. You probably have some Aries and Taurus placements and you'll be able to go look at those planets and those houses and go, ah, yes, this makes a lot of sense. I am, because I have a similar situation where I have a Gemini Mars in my 10th house right by my Taurus midheaven. So I have this, crazy patience to the point where sometimes I won't even move on something. And I also am a very fast speaking, quick moving, kind of quirky, almost jittery person in my own movements as well, which is very well explained by my Gemini Mars. So definitely use this information too, to go in and look at your own complexities and your own dualities within your own personal traits and your charts. Okay. Now, on to the third. In the third house, traditionally in the zodiac wheel, we are ruled by Gemini, and Gemini is ruled by Mercury. This is the house and home of everything, communication and information, information processing, okay? So, in Aries, we were born and we explore the environment. In Taurus, we really lay down roots into our environment so that we can actually live and thrive long-term. And then when we get to Gemini is when we're like, oh, now I'm ready to interact with my environment, okay? Now I'm really, really ready to actually interact. This can be with objects. This can be with other people. That's why Mercury and Gemini are very social, but don't forget this also comes in the form of reading, for example. So consuming information on social media or it honestly can just consuming information in the media. That's Mercury stuff. That's third house stuff. Okay. This is very Gemini energy is not everybody's like, yeah, Gemini talkative. Got it. Yes. And very absorbing. Gemini genuinely is, Gemini and Sagittarius are the most curious. Sagittarius is the most seeking sign, but Gemini wins for the most curious, just plain old curious. Gemini just wants to know. They don't necessarily have a judgment about whatever it is that they find, but they got to know and they got to know every last fucking detail about it, okay? That's why the third house is information processing and why it was traditionally has been ruled by Gemini because it's all about gobbling up the information and then what do you do with it, okay? So when you really need to look at and look into your communication style and habits, like, do you feel heard most of the time by most people? Do you feel like you overtalk people? If you feel like you struggle with or have any kind of issues with communication, which, by the way, everybody does, even the most well-spoken people, there's at least someone in your life that you have a hard time communicating with. Uh, look to your third house, look to where your Gemini falls in your chart and look at where your Mercury is and any other planets that are around it or any aspects that are being made to it, okay? This will really help give you an idea of what kind of communicator you are and what kind of needs that you have. And it will show you, as usual with every house, um, your own self-sabotaging behaviors, your own shadows that you are really called to confront so that you can enhance 
your communication and information processing experience. So I have aspects from my Gemini Mars to my Mercury in Scorpio in my third house. Um, There's, well, the way, I guess the best way to explain it is there's quite a few aspects being made to my Gemini Mars and quite a few aspects that are made to my, to my Mercury. Uh, They don't necessarily affect one another super strongly, but there's a lot of themes in my life around communication, around my message, around me speaking, around me listening, okay? It is very clear and apparent in my chart that communication um, and interacting with others and the information that I choose to consume is a very, very large area of focus that I chose to, to really hone in on and work on in this life. So that just don't forget that Gemini is the twins in that third house. We have the duality. Okay. It's not just the house of fucking talking. It's the house of listening. It's a really, really good place to go when you feel like you don't know why nobody understands you. And it will help you kind of look into, is that because of something I'm doing? Is this because of some way that I'm speaking? Is it because I don't let other people feel heard and they stop giving me space to feel heard? Okay, so dig into your third house. And then before I forget, third house, Gemini, uh, Mercury, this is an air energy. Okay. We go fire, earth, then air. And Gemini is a mutable modality. So it is a very adaptive sign. It's a, it, the point of mutable modality is to be flexible, to adapt, and honestly, to just flow because life and our existence is ever changing. So the mutable movement is very, very, very important for this. On to the last house uh, of the episode until next time, the next part in this series, is the fourth house. We are now in the element of water. Here we are at Cancer. Cancer rules the fourth house. And that line, the first cusp that begins the fourth house, that is called your IC, okay? So we are, uh, we've made our way through the first quadrant of the zodiac wheel. In the fourth house, we are now introduced to our emotional experience. In the first house, we're introduced to our experience with self and just kind of experience in general, right? That's existence. That's what first house stuff is. In the second house, um, in the earth element, we're introduced to our physical experience. And in the third house, we are introduced to our intellectual experience, okay? Our, a lot of our mind is ruled by Mercury and in the third house. In the fourth house, though, the universe was like, hey, by the way, I'm going to give you feelings. <laughs> You're going to feel stuff and those feelings are going to matter and they're going to be super confusing sometimes. And they will conflict with all three of those other experiences sometimes. In fact, sometimes all four of the elements and their energies and the experiences they represent are totally just going to conflict themselves within you and within your life. And that's kind of the point. The, the 
digging our way through and and finding how to harmonize and balance all of these energies, that's living. <laughs> that's our existence. The, the ever seeking of harmony, I guess. In the fourth house, we are back to a cardinal sign, okay? We're back to a cardinal modality as cancer is also a cardinal sign just like Aries is. So this is where I, I start having a lot of fun teaching astrology because now we have a whole new layer and kind of overlap uh, to start taking into consideration because cancer is a water sign uh, and so it is very, very different from Aries in a lot of ways. However, there are lots of similarities as well. And, and that's what I love about modalities. Really, really will help you understand, like really understand the energy of the different signs when you really get down the element, the elemental energy of them and the polarity energy of them, as well as the modality energy. So this very similar to Aries is still a very reactive sign. This is very initiative and innovative. Therefore, there's a lot of impatience here, okay? If you know unevolved cancer energy, you know probably a hothead. You know someone that probably loses it pretty easily. Um, now, because this is the first place we get introduced to our emotions, all of that interacting that we learned how to do in the third house and with Gemini, that curiosity we had uh, for our environment and processing the information around us has now morphed into a deeper meaning. In the third house, we form our first real attachments, okay? Because that's the first house of emotions. This is where we really develop relationship attachments, but more specifically, family-based. This is the house of your childhood, of childhood, okay? Your home life, if you will. Not the home that you have and the legacy you leave on. We'll be talking about that next time in the fifth house. In the fourth, this is about your childhood, your home, and your parents or caregivers, okay? Therefore, this is tied to our roots and where we come from. The I see in general that that angle, that line, the cusp of the fourth house is very much concerned with your roots and, and who you are at the innermost part of your being. Okay. When we get there to the top hemisphere of the, of the chart, we'll talk about how it's very different in relation to the midheaven, which is its opposite point. Okay. But for now, know that the IC is the innermost part of yourself. Your inner child is there. Like I said, your deep, deep childhood memories. Therefore, there's a lot of our subconscious there. Not all of it. A lot of our subconscious is in the 12th house and we will get there. But this is really the beginnings of it. This is the house to look at um, for, you know, inner child shadow work. The stuff that you want to learn and uncover and and deepen your understanding about traits that you have as an adult that you're very sure are linked and rooted in childhood. This is the house you want to look at. You want to, again, same as the others, you want to look at, uh, do you have any planets or placements in that house? What is the house ruled by and what planet rules that sign? Okay. And then you look at that planet in your chart and kind of investigate the health of it, if you will, what planets are by it, what aspects are being made to it, yada, yada. Um, 
this is a very hard house for a lot of people to explore. I'm not going to lie. Um, there's a lot of heavy hitting here. This is a hard house because since we form our first attachments here, this is where we get like smothering and, and helicoptering and overprotection of our loved ones. Okay. And that's why cancer can be that very impatient, reactive, out of love. They're that person. And that's why there can be a lot of toxicity there, you know? They can really be trying to operate out of a place of love, but they don't realize how damaging their behavior is. Cancer has to learn that even though they're the first line that learned attachments, therefore they have to be the first line to learn how to let go of attachments. And that is hard. That's why it's very, very hard for major cancer placements to like let their loved ones around them do their own thing or learn for themselves. They don't, they genuinely don't want anyone to get hurt. If they care about you, they genuinely don't want you to get hurt. That's probably why they'll go to bat for you more than anybody else. I mean, a, a strong cancer placement is a great person to have on your team. Trust me. But we really, really have to be mindful of of our over and toxic and unhealthy attachments in this house, okay? Now, because of that cardinal modality, because of that combined with, with the watery energy, cancer has to learn to think before it acts. And cancer, that doesn't come naturally, okay? This is, you know, that's, that's more of a cerebral trait, especially it's, it's not even just a more of a cerebral trait. That's more of a trait of a fixed sign. A fixed sign is a lot more patient, has the foresight to go, Hey, 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 seriously, do I want to do this right now? Is this a good idea? And cancers acting out of the name of love. Okay. So in this house, this is where you can find a lot of information about your ancestry and how you were raised in your relationship with your parents. Like I said, um, this is a primary place to start for shadow work. And if you go to that house and it's an empty house in your chart, again, that doesn't mean we just ignore it. If anything, you definitely need to make sure you don't inadvertently neglect it because you don't have any major placements really drawing and focusing your energy in that house, okay? Even if you choose to grow up and not continue on having some kind of family, you are a human being that has an imprint and a legacy on this planet, on this life, okay? And so that's why a healthy fourth house is so important. Understanding where you come from and your roots and how you were raised and identifying any traumas, identifying any wounds, having the courage to face them, having the love and compassion to heal them. This is how we make sure that we come from a really mindful healthy, grounded place, honestly, when we do get to the fifth house, which we'll talk about next time, and we start thinking more externally. But for the first quadrant, we, for those first four houses, when I say quadrant, we are hyper-focused on self. These are very personal houses, okay? Your first, second, third, and fourth are very, very, very personal houses. Those stages of life are very personal. Not that many people in your life will have access to those houses unless you let them 
you know, like by telling them memories or, or allowing them to come over to your house or right things like that. So, so we are still in very private, self-related, individual, individualistic areas of life right now. And when we get into the next couple episodes, you'll see that we'll really start to emerge and become more external beings. And this is where we develop our relationships. This is where we start confronting our, like I said, our legacy and our ripple effect that we have. So I'm really excited. This is a perfect, nice little baby place to start. It's a lot of information. And so that's why we're doing these in in chunks, because I want you to take today any notes that you took or any thoughts or breakthroughs or questions that came through for you. I want you to make note of those things and really give yourself the permission to explore them over the next few days before you hear uh, the next uh, chunk of houses on the next episode, okay? What stood out for you? Again, was it when I mentioned Mars? Was it when I was talking about looking at where your Gemini energy was? Anything. Whatever stood out to you stood out to you for a reason. And I, your mentor, I would like you to please explore that don't ignore those intuitive messages, okay? And if anything comes up along your journey, feel free to send me a message. I would love to help you out. And I really, really sincerely appreciate your time today. I just want to take a moment at the very end of this episode to once again express my immense gratitude for all of you because you literally make my dream come true every single day. I get to, I get to sit down and create content that I'm passionate about to teach it to other people. Teaching is like my favorite thing (laughs) in the whole world. So thank you. If you really resonate with the information that I give here on the show, if you really vibe with my energy and you think that we could work together and I could really help you grow, I would love to talk to you. I still have a couple of spots left in my Align and Attract pop-up offer mini coaching experience with my amazing business coach, Kate Visser and I. I'll be bringing all of this really dope, really amazing astrological and spiritual knowledge to the table. I'm going to help you identify self-sabotaging behaviors, areas of burnout, areas of blockage, and really help align your business and your life so that you feel like you're heading in a direction that feels right. And that feels meaningful. That feels like you're actually listening to your intuition and listening to your calling. And then you're going to have this session with Kate where you really dig into the, the logistics and the practicality of the structures and strategies within your business, your marketing, your content, okay? She's going to bring her amazing entrepreneurial expertise to the table and she's going to get in there and again, identify specific areas of challenges for you so that you can readjust maybe come up with some new ideas, maybe ditch some old ones that aren't working. And between the two of us, we are going to develop a really amazing action plan for you for moving forward after this experience. I'm going to give you a playbook with what comes up during our session and everything that I want you to work on going forward. And then Kate's going to give you uh, her own report of the same type based on what you go over in your session with her. And then if that wasn't enough, you're going to get to meet with both of us for an awesome final collab closeout call where 
really essentially, we kind of Tetris together everything that Kate and I both came up with with you during these sessions and and just give you our final sending off thoughts and advice and tips for really taking all the information that you learn in the program and using it and actually applying it for your fullest success and potential. I am so excited to be working with Kate. If you uh, have not heard my my episode with Kate, it's just a few episodes ago. Make sure you go back and listen to it. It's all about actually crafting an aligned strategy in your business. And I think that it's a really great example of the beautiful combination of energy and skills and knowledge that Kate and I both bring together to the table. So if this is something you're interested in, this is by far the most affordable way that you're ever going to be able to access both Kate and I within the same like combo container like this. Like I said, it's a pop-up offer. This is limited time. Registration closes November 8th, okay? So you still have time. If you have any questions though, if you're excited and you you are interested and you have questions, but you're you're really not sure, hey, I'm an open book. <laughs> so is Kate. We would love to talk to you and answer your questions. Totally no pressure, totally obligation free. Um, but this really is a very affordable program that is perfect for anybody that has been wanting to at least try out working with me or try out working with Kate. The total cost of the program, again, for two coaches and three calls and this tangible action plan going forward is $666 USD. And we do have some payment, uh, some payment plan options available. Okay. So we want to work with you. We want to help you. That's what Kate and I are all about. Again, if you didn't already make sure you go listen to that episode, it's, it's really inspiring and motivating. Everyone, this was amazing. Again, thank you for allowing me to show up and do what I love and, and, and allow me to teach astrology and spirituality to you. I cannot fucking wait to keep going on this applicable astrology journey with you. Don't worry. I'll keep messing up my words because I'm not perfect, (laughs) but I promise to never over edit myself and just show up as who the fuck I am. So that's what you got. All right, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Until next time in the series, I hope that you have the best weekend and y'all stay magical out there. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's episode of That Witch Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, I would be really grateful if you would head over to iTunes right now and leave a super nice five-star review. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at thatwitch.nextdoor. I love connecting with all of you outside the show. Keep those questions, keep those comments coming. You can send fan art suggestions for topics on the show. You can nominate people to be interviewed on the show. Send anything like that to thatwitchnextdoor at gmail.com. And if you'd like to work together, I am offering a really amazing mentorship program. I'm only offering a very, very limited number of spots. You can submit your application and learn more on my website. And you can also book a one-on-one session with me at thatwitchnextdoor.com. Thank you so much again, and I'll see you all next week. 